Hello and welcome back to another episode of Teach Talk with the Fine Arts. My name is Sarah and I'm your host. Today I have Dr. Joseph Jefferson on. He is currently serving as the Assistant Professor of Trombone Euphonium and the Director of Jazz Studies at Southeast Missouri State University. It was a pleasure to talk to him and I'm sure you will enjoy this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, my name is Dr. Joseph Jefferson. I am the Assistant Professor of Trombone and Euphonium and Director of Jazz Studies at Southeast Missouri State University. Awesome. Um, do you do any, you have any side gigs you do besides teaching? Yeah, well, I perform quite a bit and was doing a quite a bit of that prior to COVID. You know, COVID has really stopped a lot of things. Um, but definitely performing, uh, performing as a side man, I uh, used to do some band leader things. Um, but you know, music is really a big, um, thing that I like to do outside of, um, outside of the teaching piece where I can just kind of be a performer and just kind of, uh, enjoy the space of, um, being an artist and being creative. Okay. Would you consider yourself tech savvy? Yes, absolutely. I, I think we, I was always a little tech savvy, but I think with COVID, it's really kind of thrust us all into having to understand tech and understand the gear. Um, uh, I did my, my, um, my minor in undergrad was in music media. So I, that's where I first started kind of getting integrated with understanding mics and understanding interfaces and recording and different types of things so I um yes I would consider myself tech savvy to answer that question awesome most people I have on here do not consider themselves tech savvy <laughs> <laughs> and COVID has had to teach them a lot of stuff yeah absolutely well it's a learning process for all of us I yeah. think um although I consider myself tech savvy I'm learning so much from colleagues uh as well as friends uh, as well as my students, just in terms of some things with gear. So I think that is a, a continual thing. Yeah. Did you ever do any teaching music online before COVID? Or is, are you new to this? No, actually, I did. Um, I definitely taught at uh, Tidewater Community College. Uh, I was actually teaching in the face-to-face -face prior to going to get my doctorate. And then when I went to go get my doctorate, they allowed me to teach online. So I was pretty comfortable with understanding the online platform, building community with students online, and just kind of understanding that it's not the same, but you want to make sure that you create an atmosphere that is conducive to the different types of students. Um, that you're going to have. And, and what I kind of enjoyed about that, especially at that, at that level, I dealt with um, both traditional and non-traditional students. So I would have some, some students that might be 40 or 50 years old. And so they're trying to understand the tech and they're trying to understand um, how to create assignments and submit and submit things. Uh, so that really kind of helped me um, I guess, sharpen my skills, if you will, in terms of learning how to kind of break things down. But it also, uh, I also learned so much from those students in terms of how to be able to deliver content uh, to different people 
um, from different age age groups, different backgrounds, people who have language as a uh, English as a second language, different things like that. Okay. So um, when you were teaching online, what software did you use? Like, did you use Skype or what you use? Yeah, well, I, I still do some teaching online now in my current post, um, but I was using Skype then. Um, I would also use FaceTime as well, a lot for the Apple users. Uh, so I tried to make sure that I offered students um, a variety of different things um, because you don't never know a student's financial uh, situation, right? You don't want them right. to have to go out and be like, oh, I have to go get that um, because my teacher said that. No, I like to make sure that um, if, if, if there's someone having to kind of take that extra step, I wanted that to be me. So I definitely use Zoom. Uh, I use Google. Google had a, a video thing that I've used uh, a little bit um, as well as um, Zoom uh, and Skype and FaceTime. Gotcha. So what was the process of transitioning to online because of COVID? Well, at my university, um, as an applied instructor and as someone who runs ensembles as well, it was a lot different from just being a lecturer when you're in the classroom and you're teaching. So I'm now having to deliver content and provide feedback for something um, that we're actually doing. It's a doing thing, playing trombone, you know, um, if I'm not there so that I can actually see what's happening in terms of with their embouchure or something the way that they might be holding an instrument, um, I really had to make sure that I got them up in the, in the camera. Uh, and so those are the different types of things that I had to learn how to adjust, how can I be um, um, as efficient as possible in terms of dealing, dealing with students and having them still have some sense of, um, not feeling like, oh, it's just some kind of virtual lesson. You know, we wanted them to kind of still have the same effect and kind of make it fun. So uh, in terms of at here at my, at my place, in terms of my setup, I wanted to make sure my setup was as good as possible so that they could have um, a really good um, um, experience in terms of it you know I don't want to have like a bad camera or a bad sound and they can't really hear me and they're already trying to adjust so really just kind of making sure that I had a really good setup here to make the learning um, the learning uh, environment as um, as I guess as good as possible. Did you all go are you are you completely online now or are you back in person? No we went online after thanksgiving um but the the big one was in last spring when everybody when everything kind of hit the fan and we are everyone had the transition and so i actually you know i'm kind of thankful that i did teach online before uh, and really had those skills because i was pretty comfortable other than just trying to find equipment because you know everybody started buying up equipment and you know yeah. it was it was really it was really hard to find stuff and then some stuff people were price gouging you know just running the price up on things um but it was just really trying to find the right equipment um that was in my budget uh so that i could have the best setup possible gotcha 
So what do you think um, next year or next semester would look like for you as far as COVID going with like the vaccine rolling out and everything? I think it's going to be very similar to the fall semester. We really had uh, mixed methods of uh, mixed methods of teaching. So in terms of face-to-face, um, in terms of face-to-face, in terms of virtual, in terms of um, um, group group meetings and different things like that. Uh, so I think it's going to be a little bit of each one of those things uh, in terms of how can we best uh, reach our students since we play an instrument that is playing aerosols I can't teach in my office you know that's like the the biggest thing so all the faculty are using bigger spaces to make sure that we can social distance make sure that we're allowing opportunities for the room to um, to air out and the air to exchange so it's going to be a mix of, you know, group things, um, some one-on-one things in the bigger spaces, and then, of course, uh, Zoom. Uh, and then also, you know, giving op- students an opportunity to record projects and, you know, different things and send them to them and really get feedback. So um, what ensembles do you currently teach? So I teach uh, at Southeast. We have two jazz ensembles. We have the South um, Southeast um, Jazz Studio, which is the audition group. And then we have the Jazz Lab. Uh, and both of those groups are at max capacity. Uh, of course, I also put together different, a variety of different combos if it's needed around campus where they, where they need different music. Uh, we also have a trombone ensemble here. Uh, Students are very excited about that trombone euphonium ensemble. Uh, Students are very excited about that. Um, And then we also do a bunch of quartets and, of course, a lot of duet playing to really work on our confidence um, and um, individual playing um, to give more confidence. So when they get into the bigger ensembles like the orchestra and the wind ensemble, different things like that. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so are you all socially distanced in ensemble? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we, before the semester, um, uh, myself and a couple other colleagues, we went in and, and really taped off and, and distance based off of the different studies uh, for the different instruments to spray the different aerosols. And so we really made sure. So in terms of us being very tight as a jazz ensemble and being very close, you know, now we're spread out. So now my bass trombonist now has to listen all the way over here to hear the, um, uh, the guitar player and, you know, hear the drum set player, you know, so they really, we all really had to um, have a, a serious learning curve in terms of how we were listening to stuff because some things we really weren't hearing, but definitely we had to social distance uh, and for some ensembles that were a little, quite a bit bigger, they really had to kind of break down ensembles and do more chamber things uh, just to accommodate the, the social distance guidelines that were set forth. Gotcha. I haven't really talked to too many people in like the university setting. So I'm just curious how the ensembles were working and I mean, some schools, some schools are are moving forward with doing it. We were very fortunate. We had some really fantastic students. Uh, I can only speak for the students that I work with. My students did not complain one bit. 
Uh, they followed the guidelines that we put forth. I was pretty strict in terms of those guidelines and them following them uh, to make sure that they were safe and to make sure that, you know, I was safe as well. Um, and so they followed those guidelines and, and they were really champs about it. You know, of course, they had to wear masks when they played. They had to wear bell coverings. So that's an added thing um, as an instrumentalist. Uh, and so they did a really fine job uh, across the board. And, you know, I was very pleased with the effort that they put forward to, to make those things happen, to still be able to create music. That's awesome. So I was looking at your website a little bit before we uh, hopped on here, and I see that you have your own mouthpiece. I do. I do. Yeah, I do have my own mouthpiece. It is, um, I just so happy to have this. I have another practice session. It is a mouthpiece made by Giddings Mouthpiece, a really fantastic gentleman by the name of Ivan Giddings um, in um, Washington State. Uh, and it's stainless. Uh, it works really well for jazz and commercial playing. Uh, and um, it's really fantastic. I absolutely enjoyed He really worked with me and we were able to create something while he was able to, you know, really do all the big work. I was like, ah, that didn't work and that didn't work. But we really took the time to kind of figure out um, the sound con concept that I had in mind and the different things that i was doing and that I do on my instrument on this particular instrument uh, to really create something that I'm super happy with. That's awesome. So you said you went to WVU for your doctorate. I, I did <laughs> go to West Virginia. I missed that place. It's such a great place, but I had fun. It was, it was, it was a great time, really great learning experience. Where did you go for your other degrees? For my undergrad, I went to Norfolk State University, which is a HBCU. It's a historically black um, college and university uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. And then for my math, and I got a degree in, um, in music there, of course. And then for my master's, I went to Shenandoah Conservatory uh, and got a master's in uh, low brass pedagogy. Uh, and uh, I believe you say you were from West Virginia. Have you heard of Shenandoah? It's, yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really close to, to, to like the West Virginia border, I believe was like, is Martinsville, West Virginia? Is that? Mm -hmm. yes, Martinsburg. Yes. Martinsburg. Yes, yes, yeah. Martinsburg. Yeah. So uh, it was, um, we definitely would, would ride up there off of Interstate, I think, 81, Sometimes, yeah, like she's like, yeah, 81. I know 81. <laughs> yeah, it's a man riding that interstate at nighttime. It's like, it's just dark. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and then West Virginia for my doctorate. So, I'm, you know, very thankful. And I was very intentional about uh, choosing those schools, not only for uh, the programs, but for the instructors that I would be working with. Um, and, and just really intentional about the degree track so that I could be as, as, um, as well-rounded as possible uh, when I got into the workforce. And I'm very happy with those decisions. Cool. Did you, uh, did you go into school wanting to be a college professor or undergrad there? Undergrad? Like my undergrad? Yep. No, 
No, I knew I had a, a passion for music. Um, I knew that it was going to be a part of my life. I did not know that this was the route that I was going to go. Um, cause after I was done with my degree, I started performing professionally, but I was working in corporate America. I had a fraternity brother, get me a job in corporate America. Uh, at, well, gave me a recommendation and then I had to, you know, of course apply, but I was working in corporate America for about a year and a half. Um, and then I just wasn't happy, you know, I, you know, I was making good money, you know, I was living, um, quite well and it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I really had to do some soul searching and kind of find that out. And so when I went, you know, I always like to kind of figure out the issues and the problems in terms of, you know, brass playing. And, and I was really big on pedagogy. And so I'd always admired Shenandoah's and their program that they had. Um, and so when I got there, I really started meeting a bunch of professors that um, really provided some mentorship um, and guidance and just kind of kind of let me know at a deeper level at at the graduate level whereas a level I can't kind of understand at the undergraduate level what this might look like for me yeah uh, and then I got a little bit more interested and then it was you know of course when you go get the doctorate most people want to teach but doing my master's I, I was definitely um, driving to Morgantown a couple times a month uh, to study with Dr. Keith Jackson. And um, when I had my first lesson with him, it was like the light bulb clicked. And I was like, I want to do what you do, right? Because it wasn't just about teaching notes and rhythms. It was about connecting with students, building relationships, um, and really being invested. And so that was something that was extremely important to me. Um, and he became uh, a, a really big mentor to me. Actually, I just spoke to him today. Every time I have some, some advice or need some guidance, I call him. Um, but it was at that instance, you know, I knew how I wanted to go about it. And my master's, I, I figured out, yes, I want to teach at the collegiate level, at the doctorate. It was more figuring out how I want to navigate and what kind of impact do I want to do? And, and what kind of students do I want to serve? Th those types of things that I really started to figure out. And I think, um, I don't think that stops. You know, I think as you continue teaching and you continue meeting other students, um, you kind of start to find out, you know, what things you, you, um, you kind of enjoy doing and you know and you learn so much from them you know because they come from a different space from 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 where you come from just in terms of um the things that they're doing uh as opposed to the things that i was doing when i was coming out of high school into undergrad so it's just quite remarkable that you continue to grow and kind of refine and 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 just keep learning and you know i, I feel like you know, this is a marathon, you know, I just keep learning so much trying to improve and, and, um, and be able to touch and, um, um, and help students um, in any way possible.
so that they can kind of get to reaching their goals. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as seeing it from the uh, professor perspective, do you think this is going to be like, do you think everything we've been through with COVID is going to make music education like stronger do you think how do you think it's affected it and do you think people's going to come back with like a revived energy what are your well, thoughts on I, that? I think covid has stretched us to think outside and utilize skills outside of comfort zones that we might have not normally used right and I think everybody can say that that is true. Um, And, you know, I can only speak personally to to myself. Um, I've really tried to take advantage of this time and and learn as much as possible and and, and develop as much as possible. Uh, Because I don't think we're ever going to get this much time again to just kind of be still, learn, um, and create and cultivate and, and kind of fill in gaps um, in terms of things that we need to do. But in terms of the student, I think the student will be stronger um, because now they will understand that there are resources out there um, that are within um, arm's reach that they can work, that they can continue to use what they're learning in the classroom and things that they're learning uh, that these skills that they've learned at home and really pair them together to create different things. Um, And so I've seen so many of my students kind of use this to kind of catapult um, 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 like, I don't want to say hobbies, but catapult um, things of interest that is, that is really, it's kind of awakened some in them. So I, I hope, I hope that this continues, uh, not necessarily to the to the level that it is now where we're all on Zoom and we're all doing other things, you know, um, but I definitely hope uh, that they continue to use those things. I know myself, I found some things where Zoom is a little bit more convenient than mm-hmm. um, uh, in some, you know, in some ways in terms of being able to to make a connection with people uh, and being able to do things. But, you know, there's no there's no substitute for being in the presence of someone uh, and just being able to have that conversation. So I think it's definitely going to benefit our students um, and it's going to be up to them and as well as with our guidance to, to show them how to balance those things. How can I utilize the skills that I've learned and continue to hone them and then um, combine that with these skills that I'm learning every day in school um, to really help create a path um, for them as they matriculate and, and start their own careers. I think it's going to be really great. I, um, the one thing that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping bounces back is the, the live performing. You know, um, there's so many musicians and, and dancers and singers that are, that are out of work and, um, you know, and so I, I really want to see that bounce back. And so it is my hope and it is my prayer that people, you know, once we get to a place where it is safe for people to kind of get together, that people really appreciate the arts. Because if you think about it, 
the arts are what has saved us during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to think about it, you know, people are listening to music, people are creating music, people are watching TV, you know, imagine if we didn't have the arts, imagine if we didn't have this content, right? And so it's just, it's really amazing. And it's a blessing. And, and um, it's been an awakening for myself. And, you know, I get so excited. You can tell I'm getting so excited just thinking about it, because it really kind of lit a fire under me. And some of my students, you know, they'll text me and, and they'll send me an email. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what is going, you know, what do you think about that? And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, keep, keep that up, you know, and so I'm hoping I'm very hopeful for the future of music education. Um, and I'm very, um, I'm very, um, you know, taken at this opportunity as an opportunity to low, um, to learn and to grow. And, and I'm hoping that students are doing that as well. Absolutely. Good answer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything you want to talk about or that, what have you learned? I want to know what have you learned about, you know, during this time of COVID, you know, I've been, you know, it's, it's so fantastic. I love meeting new people and just, I mean, your energy seems really good. And so I'm just trying to figure out like, what have you learned throughout this process in terms of yourself or in terms of your development in terms of different skills and things like that? Well, I am a musician, but I've actually also picked up like Photoshop and um, video editing and this podcast. And so it it has been a time for development for me as well. And I've also had to learn that you can't predict everything that's going to happen. Like you can plan as much as you want to, but that does not mean it's going to happen. Exactly. I've had to take a step back and just, you know go with the flow I guess yeah you know yeah we get into those moments where we we always want to know what's next or know what's happening and and that's not always the case you know um but you know living in the moment and just trying to like you say go with the flow what what's your instrument percussion percussion what's your favorite percussion marimba really yeah okay there's a couple pieces for marimba and trombone i'm just saying really (laughs) i'm just saying you know there are some pieces for marimba and trombone that are actually pretty cool but you know you know no pressure you know just (laughs) we can talk (laughs) (laughs) very cool very cool very cool no that was the only question that was the only question i have i'm very thankful for the opportunity that um, to kind of speak with you. Thanks for, you know, giving me the opportunity to, to talk with mm-hmm. you and, and um, talk about all of this good stuff. Really great job with your, um, your podcast. I've been checking out some of the stuff. So really great work with that. Thank you. You're welcome. So where can people find you if they want to know more? So people can find me on Instagram at Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H-L Jefferson underscore trombonist okay i know that's super long uh you can also find me on um facebook at joseph l jefferson or via my website 
at josephljefferson.com. Uh, via all of those different ways, you can kind of connect with me. I'm on YouTube as well. Um, but I'd love to connect with as many people as possible and just kind of, you know, you know, share, share things, um, share music things, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And that is all for another episode. Thank you so much to Joseph Jefferson for being on and thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks with another episode. I hope you enjoyed. Once again, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. My name is Sarah and this has been another episode of Teach Talk with the Fine Arts. (laughs) 